0: Okay, Episode 11. Hello. Take
1: take
0: Welcome two. home. Thank you. Yeah. I just got off a plane
1: a couple hours ago. I want to look like that when I get off a plane. Jeez, girl. I did put on a little bit of makeup and I changed from one comfortable organic cotton bottom to a different one. Yeah. <laughs> and a different knit. I wore my Alice tea on the plane and I was like so happy that it held up to plane travel but y'all will hear my little friend she is hopefully not going to be noisy but she's very excited that her mommy's home and i can't okay. lock her up after get, just arriving back into her life
0: <laughs> no
1: <laughs> i hope
0: you guys are all dog people also yeah, <laughs> what's up chat? I'm also freshly home, um, not today, mm-hmm. but I was in Maryland for Sheep and Wool well this weekend, so. That's right. How was it? We haven't gotten to, like, catch up since then. We haven't. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get to do a lot of chit-chat today, because, our chit-tank, chit-chat tank is low, as my six-year-old would say. Um, it was yeah. really good, um. It was warm. I the, I overheard the firefighters like being totally exasperated. They're like, "All these women here in their sweaters, and none of them brought any water, because like it was like you know <laughs> seventy five. Um, yeah. Before. But seventy five in the sun is
1: it's pretty that's pretty warm. warm. No, I was up in Connecticut and it was like seventy five eighty, and it was warm. Yeah, not as warm as now that I'm back home.
0: <laughs> it's the busiest I've ever seen Maryland Sheep and Wool. Um, they were parking people across the street. Because usually, okay, Maryland Sheep and Wool is either 50 degrees and sleeting
1: mm-hmm. or
0: 105 and 92% humidity. So the fact that it was right. like a balmy, mid-70s, dry, sunny day, like, it was popping. I only stayed there for four hours, so. Okay. I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that.
1: A little dose of a big crowd is good for me.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm experimenting with, and it worked really well. Nice. Well, What'd this is think?
1: episode 11, y'all. My tea is peach iced tea that I bought at the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, really, I have been thinking about just how nice it is to come home, and my apartment is really clean, and, and that's like all that's gone on in my head. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm loving my warm weather knits right now. It is officially, like, time to be in tank tops here, and um, I've been thinking about what makes a knit breathable, because not every knit tank top feels as good to me to wear as others, and, like, in our Most Worn Knitting episode, my favorite tank top is, like, Shermash, so (laughs) that's definitely breathable. (laughs) Yeah, um, But just excited about all of that. Um, and I'm getting ready to do a lot of sketching this week. So I think that's why I'm like feeling inspired.
0: What is yours? Yeah, today? I think we're both kind of, this is the end of season mm-hmm. for, you know, um, the 22, 23 knitwear design year and it's a new year, right? So thinking about what we'll do when we open the season in the fall. Which I wish I made in late July um, <laughs> and I'm also like, so I do not find that I can wear knits when I'm hot, even if they're cotton, even if they're mesh, mm-hmm. like I also, because I'm recovering from this back injury, like I will get up and be active for like 10 minutes and then like not again for another 40 minutes. And so I find spend my whole day in I'm like that, like Instagram reel about being in your athletic wear. So that's where I am. But I am planning next spring, my collection will be about garments that you can wear with athletic wear because I do have a lot of people in my wardrobe class who, you know, I think about one woman who was in one of my classes who was like, I babysit my grandkids and I'm in leggings all the time. I'm up and down mm-hmm. off the floor. I'm hanging out with like toddlers. I'm just in leggings. Like I need knits that go with my leggings. So yeah. Yeah. That's what next spring is mm-hmm. going to be about, but I'm I'm more focused on next fall right now.
1: And how that's. that's how why I there. like I like tank like really cropped or like super long lengths. Yeah, yeah. Like I was designing yeah. slouchy, something
0: slouchy jammers or mm-hmm. cutie crappies. Yeah,
1: I remember I told you like
0: I'm designing this tee and it's like this
1: long and you were like that's a dress.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's like you mean at your knees that's not a (laughs) I feel like it did cover your whole butt though oh for sure
1: well that's the thing like where is covering your whole butt and how much of your butt and like then at that point I just want to knit a tunic that goes to like at least mid-thigh And then I'm short. So, standard tunic length is full on knee length for me. Oh my gosh, why does my light die like half of the time that we do this podcast? That's fine. I'm sorry, y'all. I um... (laughs) am. That is like the one piece of equipment that I
0: ignore until we record. And then I'm like, time to find my light. It's fine. I've kind of given up on it. Like, we only record during the day, but now that it's spring, like, the light that comes in is so green Mm -hmm. that I am red. So. But see, my
1: contrast is so much more dramatic than yours, which I'm indulging in this conversation also because it's photography day today on the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like talking about lighting ties in, but also talking about how we are right now thinking about our spring and fall collections and how they'll come together as cohesive holes, um, whether they're released one at a time or whether they're released as a collection is mm-hmm. impression topical. Well, so let's roll the thing and then let's, let's get to it. We had a short tea today,
1: so we're jumping at the bit y'all. Here it comes.
0: it on the break every time. Every time. I think it's hilarious. It's like in my head, I have to. I have to be like, here's the sound. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to set us up for this. Um, we want to talk today to you about planning for knitwear photo shoots. Uh, we come at this from two perspectives personally um, one is as knitters, and one is as designers and professionals who need an ongoing flood of visual media Mm -hmm. Um, and so our questions today are coming from members of the FBC the fiber business collective Um, we originally imagined doing this content as a workshop that we would charge for and then we decided it would be more fun to share it with y'all as a Mm -hmm. casual conversation so anything else you think we need to say before I read the questions no (laughs) we're hoping there's something here for everybody because we all have bodies and knits and cameras right okay yeah so
1: well i wait i will say i will say my my bit um because obviously as designers like jen said we need an ongoing super flood of media um however even though you may or may not be a designer, uh, you may or may not even be a test knitter. Um, and test knitters don't have to have great photos. I just ask people for like a photo and you don't have to share it. Right? Side note. Um, but even just to be able to share your own hard work and your own craft, that's why the photography aspect of crafting is kind of important. Um, if you are interested in sharing it, period, like with anyone, right? You want to be able to do justice to your work. So um, yeah, that's why we are doing this episode today. And I hope everyone will get something out of it because I do think more and more, like we're all engaging in visual media and social media. And um, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon, so.
0: Yeah, we're talking about like your personal brand online, Mm -hmm. really or in your own home or in your own mind. Cause you can take photos and plan photo shoots and never share them. Or they can be something that you have printed just for yourself, or they can be something that you share with a limited or unlimited online audience. So whoever you are, we believe that you deserve to take up that kind of digital space with mm-hmm. your knits, with your art. So yeah. So today we're gonna talk about planning for it. Um, this is not gonna be a photography. We're not gonna talk about how to take really great photos um, so much as we're gonna talk about how to plan to take really great photos. Absolutely. And there are like a million
1: YouTube tutorials out there for getting better at photography in general. Um, And I also do a knitting portraiture workshop sometimes, which is about modeling in photos and taking photos of yourself. Um, But side note, asterisk, photography is a huge, huge field. So we are just kind of starting with one little niche And if y'all love this and want more photography-based craft workshops, we can do that in the future too, uh, or podcast episodes, et cetera. So um, if you're new to photo and you don't know where to start, you can start here and just know this is just one little facet of the whole process. But it's the first part, right? It's like deciding what your photo shoot is going to be,
0: conceptualizing, and then creating it. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so here are the questions we got. Larissa said she wanted to know where to start, with a vibe or a feeling or with the subject, whether that's you or your work, how you want your audience to read your expression or like what to wear, hair or makeup. So she really covered the gamut there. Um, Lori (laughs) wanted to know how to choose props or accessories. Hi, Lori. Um, And Trish wanted to know how to pose to show off your pieces in a way that's attractive to customers and to not look awkward as hell. Um, So although we are probably not gonna get much into posing, I, there are things that you talk about in planning for your shoot that will help you with that even before you get to, to being somebody who's comfortable posing, which is a whole nother skill, which is why there's such a thing as professional models, right? Each of these things yeah. is a separate profession, really same as knitwear design. That's right. All right. So, so I have a question for you, Jen. Oh no. Are you <laughs> <kidding me>? Okay. <laughs> I, I, it was I did time.
1: your trick. <laughs> okay. My question is um, what is your favorite of the knitting photo shoots that you've done? What is like your favorite one that you can recall? And why was it your favorite?
0: Oh, this is hard. No wonder you feel uncomfortable when I do this to you. <laughs> It's okay. You can always change your mind later. (laughs) Honestly, I think it was my postscript photo shoot. Um, I really enjoyed planning the out loud photo shoot and dabbling in all those bright colors, but because I was in so much pain, I can't say that I feel like I showed up in the way that I wanted to for that one. So that one doesn't get the gold ribbon, but my postscript photo shoot it was really good because it allowed me to really dabble in feeling um, a little bit aggressive, a little bit direct, and the juxtaposition of softness and hardness um, mm-hmm. felt really yeah. good. Yeah. And I loved that That was one. a kick-ass
1: photo shoot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: How about you? Um, Julie, I think. Julie. The Julie photo shoot was the first one that I did with Candace as like my photographer. She was in the photos for my Clearly hoodie because I I made one for her too. Uh, But the Julie Cardigan photos, she really like directed. And it was the first photo shoot I did when I moved down here. And I really like doing photos down here in Florida. There's just like so many wonderful locations to shoot at. Uh, yeah, I think that one for me. Plus I love that sweater. It was, um, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but knowing you pretty well, I think your postscript photo shoot was one where you were really giving yourself permission to be like very yourself and embody like this part of you that you bring forward in your work. Um, And I think, the the Julie Cardigan, the whole design and photo shoot for me was like a similar uh, feeling of like really being clear from the beginning of like the design, the feeling, how it was gonna all come together. So I also noticed though, like something that you said, but that I didn't say and is still true for me is that your favorite photo shoot is one where you're planning and the circumstances aligned, right? Which is something that we can't necessarily control, Um, but we can still get great photos out of a shoot where things don't go as planned, but it's really nice when they do go as planned.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I feel like a fun photo shoot, like even if I show up like this, you know, sports bra, and like, I'm gonna go dig some mulch after this close, 90% of my life, In the same way that we get dressed up and go to a restaurant and that's still us and that's not an act, that's not like being a poser, right? Like being somebody who does occasionally do an elaborate bespoke photo shoot for themselves is also like, yes, it's a certain way that we're presenting ourselves to others, but like so is everything else we do. Um, Mm -hmm. And it can just be one aspect of ourselves. So I think that embracing the authenticity of experimenting with a different aspect of yourself has been an important therapeutic tool for me.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot about um, as someone with like social anxiety, getting more and more comfortable um, being out on a location and having pictures Mm -hmm. taken or taking pictures in like public. That's been a journey for me more through my adult life because um, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but if you haven't seen it, like my background is in photography. I went to college for that. Which also meant, you know, in photo school, we were all like modeling for each other all the time. And then working in yoga and um, as an artist, I've definitely been on camera a lot. But there is a different kind of experience, certainly when you're um, being on camera in public versus like in a house or in a studio where no one can see you. And I think it comes down to that idea of like taking up space that really is at the heart of photography um, and sort of specifically at the heart of modeling. And I think it's amplified when what you're modeling is something that you have made yourself, you know?
0: Uh, Also hack. um, Nobody that you see on the street knows any better they don't know any better. You tell people you're a model and they're like, oh, cool. That's how it's done. Mm-hmm. Sweet. I knew and the very worst of thing is like, I knew all those bitches were airbrushed and that's an okay thing for them to think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if you're in New York, you, you absolutely cannot tell the difference between the people who are on the street having their photos taken and being paid for it and ones that aren't because um, there will be very elaborate photo shoots all the time and you don't know you don't know any better. You don't know if that person is a hobbyist or a professional or like somewhere in the middle.
0: Yep. So you get to be the authority. Whatever you're doing is legitimate. Uh, yeah. And if you just tell people that you're modeling, they'll be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> no one's like, "No, you're not." <laughs> yeah. When you no, clearly are. So there's no card for it. You know. There's no. There's no card. not like there's a no, special card. There's no test. <laughs> you're taking pictures of a thing that you made, you are a model. So I'm like looking at our notes. Um, I have a question for you, but I'm saving it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of actually planning a photo shoot. So, okay. You have a thing that, you know, you want to have photos taken of. Um, you're planning to model it yourself. Maybe you're planning to have a partner take pictures of it or you're planning on setting up a tripod and using a shutter to take pictures of yourself or maybe you're hiring a professional. What do you think the components of a good plan are? Well,
1: I will say that as I have become more and more comfortable with this process, I probably do fewer of these steps than I might um, recommend, but I'm going to give you the good girl list and you can take it or leave it. Um, so the main thing would be like a shot list, right? Which is the main step that I'm saying that I skip a lot, but that I used to in the beginning of my photography journey was like the background backbone of like a serious photo shoot has a shot list. So, A shot list, if you don't know, is, um, you can sketch it, you can create it with words. Uh, it is some sort of like organized plan about what you want your photos to look like. So in like a movie, they have storyboards and in photography, there's a shot list where, um, you know, let's say that you're taking photos of like a vase of flowers on a table, And your shot list might be like a wide shot of the room with the table and the vase in the middle, a close-up of the rim of the table, a super close-up of this one flower, a super close-up of the rim of the vase, right? Whatever little details are important to you to capture, you want to go into a shoot knowing that. So although I don't take the time to like write down my shot list most of the time because I'm just doing it myself or I'm talking to my girlfriend, um, I know when I'm modeling a knit, what aspects of that, um, knit I want to show off. So if it's like a really cool neckline or a detail on the sleeve or a color, you know, I'm going to put more effort into making sure that those details get to have their moment. And, um, oftentimes I will not stop a photo shoot until I have like those kind of collective shots that I planned to get.
0: Yeah, this is a really key. I do so. It's funny, I'm the opposite of you. The more I do this, the more I love to just have a template. Um, and the more like rigid I get. I do. I love planning. No. And um, this is why I need a robot to just tell me what to do. <laughs> So first you take the idea of your photo shoot and you give it to AI and you get your shot list, right? Exactly. Um, this is how I ended up not, like I did a whole photo shoot for local Meadow and ended up with no shots of the back of it. And luckily testers were on it, but as a designer, you do have to show the certain angles.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cause there's, if you forget as a designer, if you forget people, when they're looking at your pattern library later on, do not assume that you forgot, they assume that you're hiding something usually. So for us, it becomes like, very, um, can be stressful to realize that you don't have the shots that you want.
0: Yeah. Even if you're front, just planning. back, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ones I consider critical are front, back, side, arm up, um, details of the hem, details of the neckline, details of the cuff. Um, I like to show how the bust art sits and seated photos. Yes. Yes. Yes and yes and yes. Yeah. (laughs) But then I do often sketch out um, what, how I want to fill those frames and that gets into the storytelling aspects of things. Right. Well, now we're talking about
1: like also what else you might want to have in the frame with you, right? So... Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about choosing props, which I think is a little bit the same as the idea of choosing your wardrobe, right? Like what choices are you making that aren't the knitting itself? And, um, there are a few different, well, you know me, I like to categorize everything. There's a few different categories (laughs) That we might consider when we're looking at like props and other wardrobe items and even the knit that you're highlighting itself, right? So you have color. And right before we got on camera, sorry, I'm outing you, Jen. Um, Jen put pink lipstick, like her bright pink lipstick on, which I love. And as she was putting it on, she was like, There you go. Now you know what pink is because it balanced her skin tone on camera. To have some extra pink in the frame,
0: right? So, yeah, my camera didn't think there was any pink in the frame because everything's green. So, I was like, I'll show yeah. you what pink is. And now it's like, okay, you can be skin toned. Yeah. And that's, that
1: yeah, that's the idea of complementary colors, which I'm not going to explain because I have explained it many times. Um, but complementary colors, right, are going to allow the camera to see all of the colors. are present when we have more color in one area of the color wheel then a lot of automatic cameras digital cameras are going to color correct in order to bring the other missing shades forward so that's when your skin tone might look green or blue or whatever right there's different colors in light itself and then there's the colors that are in an image and both of those things can mess with your auto balance. So, another really big tip for anyone who's like a more novice photographer is to try and have complementary colors present, um, colors that complete the color wheel. So, you have like more colors in a frame will usually give you more balanced color in the photo, and taking more monochromatic photos is a more advanced kind of photography, which feel free to experiment with, but is harder if you're not used to color correcting, dealing with light, dealing with that kind of thing. So that you can use props or clothing or a location all to balance or complement or highlight the color of the garment that you're styling or the knit piece that you're styling. Um, The other kind of categories here would be like size and shape and how things are going to scale in a photo and like take up the space of the photo so that there are interesting shapes. And then the other category in my mind is like the ethos or the the energy or the vibe, right? Which is very much what like Larissa was asking about.
0: I think this is the first thing I do when I plan a photo shoot. I'm like, what is the character of this photo shoot? Is it a fairy princess? Is it an Arctic queen? Is it, you know, a <laughs> of, Is it your... your All of those. <laughs> like, is it Therese is the, the vacation luxury queen, right? Like, um, you know, PostScript was not that. Out Loud was very kind of 90s retro neon mixtapes, right? So Mm -hmm. figuring out like what the theme, what the feeling is, or what the character that you're going to play as you're showing how this knit makes you feel, um, what is the feeling that you want to convey? I think all of this from your shot list and how you're shaped on camera to your props, to your colors are all driven by what you're trying to evoke as a visual artist using this knit as one part of the story. What's the story you're trying to tell? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that as designers, we have a little bit of an advantage in that category because we are coming up with that idea, like probably before we even cast on our first swatch. Like the energy is what inspires us to create. Uh, But the truth is that even if you've never considered it this way, that whether or not you're a designer as a crafter and a creator it's the same inspiration that moves through you so when you first see something a pattern and you decide you want to knit that pattern then it is that like whatever that feeling was that made you think i need to do that like i need that garment in my wardrobe i could see it just like this um that is sort of the ethos that at least in my case like that is what i go with for my photo shoot. It's like the ultimate culmination of the vision that happened before I created the piece. Um,
0: One of my testers, Cassandra, knit with Nimbus on Instagram, does a really amazing job of this. uh, And I think it's a real proof of concept of how you do this as a knitter too. Um, But you talked about a really good point, which is that we are imagining that photo shoot. We are imagining that ethos and that story from the very minute we put pencil to paper to make that first sketch or we pick a yarn sometimes to um, swatch with. Like a lot of times as designers, we might get asked, what do you do first? Like pick the yarn or pick the design. It's like, no, 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 no. Back it up. Back it Mm -hmm. up. What are we trying to feel? What are we trying to help people feel? And where are we trying to go in that direction? Yeah. And like, especially as garment designers,
1: that's what clothes are about, right? Like we choose, what we're going to wear more based on how we want to feel than how we're actually going to look. And sometimes the difference is subtle. Sometimes it's very obvious when we think like, I just want to be comfortable or whatever. But even when we imagine that we want to look really XYZ descriptor word, right? Like that's really about creating a feeling within ourselves. And, um, you know, we can't like control our everyday lives to feel how we want to feel all the time. But the power of photography is that we can create images that allow us to feel about ourselves and our work how we want to, how we
0: imagine. All right,
1: yeah. gremlin is here.
0: I'm thinking about the interview that truly our friend Julie Robinson did with um making and she talked about that being the role of fashion in our lives and how that was really important to her and how like what we're talking about with photography is just preserving that so that we can see it reflected back to ourselves um so yeah i know that when i'm choosing colors for my design um i'm basing it on the total feel of the thing that i'm making right and then that drives what's going to show up in the shot with me so like when i did the photos for the out loud collection i knew i wanted um to be in a plant store because i wanted that tropical evocation that kind of juicy lush feeling but i didn't want the color palette to compete with the very bright colors i was photographing um, and so dark leafy greens wood brick all neutrals but all lush neutrals and dark so that the colors would pop against them did you do that photo shoot in a plant shop yeah That's awesome. Uh, Okay, I have a good question. Yeah, Uh because
1: I bet that people will want to know this. How did you arrange that? Like, did you know the people who own the plant shop, or did someone, or did you just sort of ask?
0: Yes. (laughs) So I live in Pittsburgh, and I kept thinking about how cool it would be to do. I have made like neighborhood friends with the woman who owns my local plant store. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do the photography with Kyle. So I told Kyle that my dream would have been to be in a plant store, but I don't know what in Baltimore. And Kyle was like, I do. Um, and so that's how we ended up. I was like, well, I'll just email them and ask them." I was like, I see y'all are closed on Monday. What would it cost for me to get in your space on a Monday and, uh, take a handful of photos? And they were like, yeah, we're here. It's like when we repot things and
1: mm-hmm. you can totally
0: come in. They were like preparing chips in their floor and we were taking photos. Um, And then there's a bright wall in that photo shoot too. And that's like right around the corner. So yeah, a mix of, I had a vision of what I thought would look really good. Um, I had a connection who knew of a place and I just asked. Yeah. Well, and you were in a different area where you don't live.
1: If you were in your own area, even if you didn't know someone who knew the owners, I imagine that you probably would just ask because you're Mm -hmm. like pretty bold with people um i can be really timid but i love hearing that so that i can remind myself that like if i have a place that i would really love to do photos that the worst anyone can ever say is no right and yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, what i've so here's the way i approach that is i'm like hey um sometimes when i do my photo shoots i like to do them on location um do you do things like that? And if so, what does it cost? Because that shows that you're not really, you're asking to make a fair exchange of value rather than asking for a favor. And you're asking yes. if, if it's something they do. And then they can say, I've never done it before, but I totally would. And here's what it would cost. And then when well, you're not right. like asking for something so much as you're asking, can hey, we partner on something, which feels very different. And then I usually am like, and here's an example of what it looks like when I've done this in the past. And if you'd like to talk to that person, I'd be happy to put you in touch.
1: Yeah. And I would say that, Like, well, firstly, it is important to remember that, like, if this is someone's private business, especially if you want to be there during off hours, that offering to pay a location fee is really, um, the good girl thing to do, the nice person thing to do. Um, and if someone wants an unreasonable amount of money, right, then you just might have to find another location, um, but also I'll kind of asterisk in there that a lot of places like outdoor public parks or botanical gardens or places like that, I will do photography there and not like ask anyone because they are large open places that are outside and I'm not asking for like special admission um, to have like private time to do a photo shoot there. But
0: uh, some places do charge anyway. Yeah. And
1: it's better to, well, my opinion in that case is that sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. If it is like someone comes up and says, hey, you can't take those pictures here. Then yeah. you say, like, I'm
0: sorry. Um, That's but also depends. like when you're working with yourself on a tripod. Like if you have a photographer yes. there, it's better to dot your, dot your, dot your T's. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It
1: depends on what you've invested in the photo shoot and like what, how much you need them. If I'm talking to someone who wants like pictures for Insta to share, then, um, then like I said, parks and botanical gardens specifically that are like outdoors, you can probably be fine. Um, if someone says something to you, then you'll know and like, don't cross people twice. Right. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you're doing like product photography, if you're doing something that's really, um, you need those photos on a deadline, it's important to you to get really good shots. And especially if you're hiring someone else, if you're hiring a photographer, then don't like embarrass a professional. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You want to make sure that you have everything lined up. So I think that one of the pieces of advice that we're giving you, right, is that if you're planning a photo shoot, besides knowing the feeling, you also need to know this kind of like practical information is like, what is the purpose of this photo shoot? And your shot list will help you decide that. The more extensive that your shot list is, then obviously the more extensive that the photo shoot is going to be. And probably the more planning it's going to require for it to go off, without a hitch. Um, if you are like trying to get some photos really quick for Instagram and you are wearing your new knit somewhere out in the world, then most likely wherever you are, you can do like 15 minutes, 20 minutes of photography. But I think a capital P photo shoot where you're planning to shoot for a couple of hours, which is what you need if you want like a thorough, comprehensive view portfolio. Yeah. Um, then that requires you to dot your I's and cross your T's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about props because I think I use props more than you do.
1: You do. And that's why I wanted to uh, lead you into that conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I learned to take photos by taking a flat lay class first, which is just taking photos of props. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. no people in it. And so I think that when I am visually filling a space or when I'm deliberately not filling a space, I think about myself as being just one of the things in the photo rather than being the point of the photo. Um, But I don't have... I mean, you're, you're the one who went to art school here and probably has a better... You know, thirty thousand foot view on what I do and what mean, I do. Thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> thirty thousand dollar a semester view on how I hold a potted plant. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> um. Well, again, it's like it's scale, which is also about texture and shape. Um, and in terms of. Well, here's my big piece of posting advice with props. Don't act as natural as you think. Like, (laughs) it's usually when you're holding something, if you are holding a prop and you're holding it the way you might hold it, like carrying it somewhere, realistically, it's probably not an interesting photo because all of this is, again, it's about storytelling. So, Um, the way that you interact with your items, with your props, even if you're not touching them, but the way that they are scaled or framed in relationship to you, all of that should or can really um, contribute to the story that you're telling. And I think when you know that it becomes like a little easier But I'll also say that oftentimes you want the scale of something to be like a lot larger than you think. Um, In a photo next to a person, like a regular floral bouquet might not really have the intended like impact, right? Whereas like when I use a vase full of flowers, I'm using like many many as many as i can stuff into it kind of thing and i look for flowers that have long like flowing shapes as well as tall ones that will just like stick because i want to take up as much space as possible um but i'm also of the feeling that i'd rather have items kind of cropped out and making cool like shapes along the sides you know like my props not really being fully in the frame um, because they're really large and like almost becoming a set element, you know? Um, But even if you are not looking for like super larger than life scale, uh, you still likely want to scale up a little larger than life size with like any prop if you're able to.
0: Yeah. I think – A good example of this is for me, there's a huge pass on small jewelry, Mm -hmm. little silver filigree necklaces, little earrings. If you're going to wear jewelry, it's got to be, it's got to really contribute. Otherwise, it's just going to be visual noise. It's going to make your photo look dirty and cluttered. It's going to be a distraction. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever had success in a photo holding something. I don't. And I think the reason for that is because our hands, so like if you are like working on putting together a campaign for Instagram, right? Like there are a couple different types of shots you can have. You can have a flat lay, um, a work in progress. You can have a face, you can have a whole body or you can have hands, right? So we're looking for things that tell stories and hands tell a very specific story. So if you're doing a shot for Instagram that includes hands, it will usually just be hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when you try and... Incorporate too many of these stories at once. I I think that it doesn't work very well. Early on, I did an audit where I went and looked at how various posts of mine over the last month had performed. And I tagged each, I made a spreadsheet and I tagged each photo with like, what are the attributes? Are there, wait, wait, wait. wait. Jen,
1: I'm so surprised. You made a spreadsheet about something?
0: (laughs) Was it the first time? (laughs) Was it the first one? (laughs) <laughs> but I have tell that hands photos do really well. But like making the hands a focal point when your whole story when your when your whole body is present, not great. Face or right. hands, please.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is I guess why I'm thinking. I don't know that I've done. I mean, I don't think I've really done a photo shoot where I'm holding something either. Um. Also because you don't want to like put tension into your body by like awkwardly being in relationship to something or having to like hold something that may become annoying in your hand or whatever. Um, but I, I'm open to it. I feel like there is room for it. But like I said, any kind of props, scale, posing, modeling, like with something my personal opinion is that, like, it's really got to be, like, unrealistic. Like, the, if you have an umbrella, I feel like you should be holding it, like, way above your head with your arm outstretched. Like, not the way you use an umbrella because it just becomes interesting. When people see something yeah. that is what they normally see, they're not really um, inclined to take another look at it. But Or the umbrella itself has to be highly dramatic. Right, yeah. There needs to be some sort of drama in the in the photo in your shoot, and so you can I bought an umbrella out, like, for out loud. Did you? I did. Like, did I, I not see the super sunny? Okay,
0: but it's there like clear, a clear bubble, and has like a bold yellow hem. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Cute. I feel like yeah. I know what kind you're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. I mean, that's the question is like, where is, in the story that you're telling, where's the tension? Where's the drama? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from like, what is this person doing just holding this umbrella? (laughs) Or is it coming from somewhere else? And um, I mean, feel free to, like, there's no wrong in creating, and there's no wrong in photography. The more passionately you feel about something, the more you're going to be able to make it work. But coming up with some idea of like what that looks like, literally, right? Your shot list is how you can make even something really outlandish work. And the truth is that nothing is ever new. So if there's an idea that you have that you want to explore, like go Pinterest some stuff, go look at other people in photo shoots like that one and see what you're drawn to. And that can always help to inform, you know, the angles, the specifics the things that you're going to try for yourself
0: speaking of pinterest my audience is sick of hearing this from me but make a mood board, make <laughs> a, a, mood board a mood board is like a so shot I do list. the story <laughs> and then i do the mood board yeah but it also helps me refine the colors it helps me refine like the character i'm going to play helps me refine how i'm going to talk about it in my post. Um, what shapes I want to make? Like, okay, what shapes worked well in these photos, and uh, which ones didn't? And by pulling together a bunch of things that feel like they're in that same mood, you don't feel like you're copying. You feel like you're building and iterating and participating in a, a visual conversation. Okay, I I am on board with that. And I would say <laughs> if you
1: are like me, and you are someone that doesn't like to do, like. Excessive amounts of planning that you could combine your mood board and your shot list on Pinterest by pinning Mm -hmm. shots like the ones that you want to take, and then having like other mood related pins around there to
0: like visually, aesthetically. Did you like that? You're like, I did, I did. (laughs) Yeah, like so. Part of it is also, I'm usually working with another photographer, like I'm not usually taking mm-hmm. it by myself. And so that mood board helps communicate to any partners. Um, the whole ethos, as you call it, the whole, mm. and I will, I have used Pinterest before and broken a single board into subboards and had poses. This is what I did for PostScript. And part of why I think it was so successful is I looked for poses that had that feeling and included them in my shot list. Right. And so I had a visual mm-hmm. for my for my photographer of the poses and the vibe of the poses themselves. But then like, also I had the mood board and from that I pulled the colors. Right. So I had a color palette for my photo shoot. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what made it feel so cohesive for me. Well,
1: yeah. When you're working with a photographer, even if that photographer isn't someone that you paid, even if it's someone, you know, um, especially when you're newer to working with them, like the more you work with the same person, the more that you guys might be on the same page, Otherwise, you really have absolutely no idea, like, visually what that person is imagining if you don't offer them some guidance. And language is a tricky thing because we interpret it differently. Um, If you provide images, then people have a starting page with you that will make your money go a lot further and make you a lot happier with your professional photo shoots. Um, And that's true for anything, like, for wedding photography. I've done some wedding photography in the past, which was fun. Um, And the person that I worked with, like we would always ask for a shot list um, or not necessarily a shot list, but like a Pinterest board or whatever that person was capable of giving us, right? It doesn't have to be like the same exact platform, but um, the more that someone is able to describe visually what they're trying to do the easier that it is to do that thing with them or do something like it because nothing's ever going to be exactly the same as another image. Um, maybe if you're standing in the exact same location at the exact same time of day, but you know, it just doesn't happen like that. Like you're putting your own spin on it. And so is the photographer you might be working with. So, um, yeah having that like initial meeting and having the uh, materials like something concrete to show someone is immensely helpful and it's photography is not cheap if you're hiring someone and, and i'm sure most people who have hired someone for engagements or weddings or whatever know that and the shot list is also like your go-to so that you know like what you should be doing with yourself at that moment you know it helps with the modeling too
0: yeah and I've definitely had photo shoots that have gone great and I love the pictures and they just don't work for what I need them to do yeah right tell a beautiful story but they're not they're not what knitters need so making sure that you have all those pieces and on the other hand if you're working with a partner or spouse or a friend um you can give them reference shots where you literally pose them take a picture so they see it and then they can like look through the camera lens until they've recreated that with your body so that you know Mm. you're going to get what you need and part of that can come from planning ahead of time what you plan to use these pictures for so if you if you know what you love about a garment and what you want other people to know about either the garment or your experience with it or your experience with yourself in it you can write your captions you can write your newsletter you can write your whatever it is written media that's going to go with that post and that can help you figure out what exactly that shot will be on your shot list to make sure you get what you really need
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and there's this idea of taking a polaroid so when people shot everything in film and like studio shoots happened all in film you couldn't see your images obviously like while you were taking them so in order to know that your lighting and everything was as you wanted it Um, And they still do this. Well, I'm sure they don't still do this because they do digital photography. But if you were in like a magazine photo shoot, and they were doing film photography, they would take a Polaroid of each setup first, when you first start. So like the equivalent of that, if you're working with your partner out in the world, and you're not sure how it's going, right, the equivalent of taking a Polaroid is like, just take one picture and will you show it to me right before you invest whatever. So, um, or even like have someone hold up your phone with the front facing camera so you can see and have that, like create the shot that you yeah. want when you get the angle you want and the shot you want, then you give that back and have them create it with the better lens. Or, I mean, if it's just for the internet, I tell people that your front facing camera on the newer phones might be fine just for the internet. you love have to I do a lot that way. Yeah. Mileage varies, but I do a lot. I do my pattern photography that way. Sometimes as long as I have enough light, it's fine. That only really breaks down when it's like low light. So, um, yeah, it's just another way to experiment, but know that like adjustments need to be made even when you're working with a professional, because they also don't know how you want to see yourself like that's a very personal thing. And um, so sometimes we just need to like be a little patient and be willing to give people um, a chance, but make it clear. Like you want to be involved in the process. If you are someone that is nervous about not ending up with something you like, like don't waste your photographer's time. Don't waste your own time. Look at a few and then get back to it, you or talk. don't. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and when you're choosing a photographer if you are for those of you who intend to pay somebody make sure that their skill set is one that matches up with your goal i um sometimes portrait photographers are really good at capturing your expression and your face and your body and how you're moving in relation to your world um but maybe they aren't as good at capturing the texture in it Mm -hmm. um uh, my photographer that I did most of my work with last year is not a knitter. And so while I was doing wardrobe changes, she would get flats so that I would have light matched flats for media and bless her. But half the time the knitting would be upside down when I got the photos back because I was changing. You're like, is this not obvious? <laughs> No, it's so, not obvious to other people. <laughs> I find wedding photographers actually their skill set matches really well because they have to mm-hmm. be skilled at both capturing expressions and telling the getting ready story. and what is a knitwear mm-hmm. photo shoot if it's not just getting ready yeah the the getting ready part of the wedding photo shoot is very
1: knitting. so yeah. if you so find ask for someone, those portfolios, yeah, if you see that and like it, then you're going to be pretty good. Although some people will find like, maybe you want to work with a fashion photographer, with someone who does more studio photography and does more, um, you know, like kind of the uh, magazine photography that we see on like covers. It's not like you can't use that to tell your knitting story. You definitely can. Um, There are different flavors and It's just like getting a tattoo before you give someone several hundred dollars, like make sure that you've looked at their work and that you like what they do, because then that is most likely going to be reflected in what you get back. If you look at someone's work and you're like, "Ah, I mean, it's okay. like hopefully they'll be really good like this one then like if only one out of the 12 or 20 things you see is, is to your liking, then you probably won't like working with that person you
0: know but I love that analogy because like you wouldn't go to uh like a realist a realism tattoo artist and ask them to do like traditional or I mean people do styles right <laughs> you do, right so like make sure that what yes. you're asking your uh, yes, father to do plays to their strength yeah right. not a good idea yeah bonus tip <laughs> tattoos <laughs>
1: right i mean it's we're talking about art so you want to find other artists that have a similar aesthetic to yours or uh share a vision or um or at the very least have range enough that you believe you can help them get there uh but the easiest thing to do is to find someone whose work you're like obsessed with and then ask them and that is the easiest but may often be the most expensive thing to do in terms of getting a good photo shoot.
0: Well, one other thing you can do is cost sharing. So like several of us are going to H and H America's mm-hmm. it's an industry trade show for folks who work in the industry. And like, we don't have photos together. Like Bess lives in Florida and I live in Pennsylvania. We don't have photos together, mm-hmm. but we need some. Um, So we are tapping several of our friends who also could use photo shoots, photos or headshots or group shots, right? Like, we both mm-hmm. work with Anastasia from the, from M1R marketing. So we'll get some shots with her and then she'll have photos that she can use on her website. Right. So mm-hmm. what we did is we reached out to a photographer and we're like, Hey, can we do um, a group session? And she was able to help us put together something where we each make an investment, but it's not a it's huge not investment. And we can each expect to leave with like 10 to 15 photos. Right. And so it's totally cool to cost share. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you get your knitting your knit night girls together, your knit night guys together and, um, and go for it. Right. Book a, book a group photo, like, you know, pick a pattern that you all love or a color that you all love or agree. You're gonna have like cables or pick a palette. Like mm-hmm. how fun would that be as a, you know, we see all these like knit alongs for festivals that are along knitting the same pattern. But like, what if it was like a year long art project that you did together that culminated cool. in a photo shoot, you know, where, you had a palette and some yeah i think it'd be really fun
1: that would be really fun uh other ways to work with more experienced photographers is that you can explore like local photography schools that might actually need or want models and like even at sva which is pretty posh art school in new york city like models choose their own wardrobe in art school like so people who came to be the models for us in our photo classes um, just came wearing whatever they wanted. And then we would photograph them. Oftentimes we would take inspiration from them and I always shared, you know, with anyone that wanted, so you can explore something like that. If you want to practice being comfortable on camera and getting shots of yourself, you can bring knits, you can, you know, find someone that you want to work with that way. Who's a student and You might even find some photo schools have like student work programs where you can like find student photographers who are trying to build their portfolios. Um, So there are options if you're like feeling like you can't possibly find a professional photographer. um, There are options and it it is okay if you're not interested in doing that. Um, You'll still be happy, I think, to take the same advice in terms of planning and thinking about the the ethos and the story of your photos, just for whatever. I mean, nearly everyone has social media. We're all telling stories. We want to be seen and we want to share visually. So um, being intentional about it is the only difference between an artist and someone else.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to be able to tell your story with the integrity that it deserves um, because that is how we connect with one another online. And that is a valuable way of making connection for many, many knitters. Yeah. And
1: even more now, right? Like even living in Brooklyn, when the pandemic started, like I became very isolated and it has been years now, but many of us are still, pretty isolated. So many people have moved and like life has carried on that um, both Jen and I are living in different places than we were living when we first went into quarantine. Right. So we kind of came out of quarantine in new areas or coming out of it that way. And um, that means that like, oftentimes I feel the most connected to people online people that like Jen, I maybe have never met yet, but just a, just a month or so now. Mm. (laughs) Um, and I think then more than ever, then it's fair to like, take what you're doing seriously, take yourself seriously. Don't feel weird about doing that. Like it's quite all right and beautiful. And all of the many aspects of a photo shoot are each their own art form, makeup, hair, modeling, lighting, photos. Um, So it's certainly valid as creative expression. And it's a vast world to explore if you're interested in exploring it. You know, get out there, get your
0: feet wet. Knitting is a fiber art. It's a textile art, but it's also a visual art. Mm -hmm. Um, And visual art is important as an art form on its own and no less so when you're the subject of it. So, Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And
1: it's like so meta to create art, like with your art of your art, you know, Um, it becomes just like such an elevated thing. And sometimes I love my garments like so much more after those final photography sessions when I see like the full impact. Um, It's like, it works
0: on me too. I'm like, wow. Maybe I should knit another one. (laughs) I think I want to add, if you feel like you're taking up too much space or being too self-centered, because I think a lot of us have internalized um, sexism that we bring to this art form and taking pictures of ourselves can feel uncomfortable for that reason, much less investing in photos of ourselves can be uncomfortable for that reason. Um, I want you all to go to a bodybuilding forum and scroll through those for a minute and you will feel much better. And you will feel a little bit indignant about the the gendered acceptance of taking mm-hmm. up space, taking photos of a project that has something to do with your body. So, get, get, get some. Yeah. <laughs> get some. It's very gendered. It's not fair.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of layers. I will also say that men feel the impact of, you know, white supremacist beauty ideals that have been forced on everybody just as much as women, um, and sometimes even more. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of layers, but I know that I relate to what you're saying also, Jen, because like as a woman, using my voice to tell a story and taking up space in that way does feel like really defiant. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also just want to encourage anybody that's not a woman that like, I know how uncomfortable and awkward it can be to be in photographs for people. And like, so much of that comes from our insecurity, whatever they are, we each have our own flavor. And then at the same time, becoming comfortable in photographs is one way to start healing some of those wounds. So yes. Uh, yeah. My piece of advice, if I know we're like wrapping up towards the end here, my final practical advice, cause I guess that's the mood I'm in today. Um, if it is the middle of the day, go in the shade.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of the direct sun.
1: You may have seen, I was traveling this past weekend. I went to my brother's graduation from his master's degree. And um, it was also a nice excuse to just visit my family in the North um, in May, which is the perfect time to be in the North. And uh, we were at the graduation event. And, you know, it's like me, my brother, and his husband, and my mom. And we're trying to get good pictures together. And, I initially said, like, let's go in the shade, but my brother is, my brother, he's very insecure in photos, and he's sort of, like, grumbly, Um, and he's just, like, you need the light to be in a photograph, and I'm, like, okay, in my head, you know, of course, like, I literally went to college for this, like, (laughs) we are at your business degree graduation, I do not tell you how to do business, (laughs) But you know, I didn't say any of those things. I just like let him take his time. And my brother's husband is also like, an incredibly beautiful model and business person and in photos all the time. So I let him handle it. And um, after like a little bit of time, we both just suggested again, like, hey, what if we try it in the shade <laughs> now that we've done these. And then like, finally, you know, because it becomes this cycle where I'm now putting words in my brother's mouth, but I think he doesn't like the way he looks in photos when like the sun is in your eyes and, you know, like all this happens. Um, I like massage it away. Like I'm not 37. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. My, see in my family, those ones go so deep, but whatever. Um, it's cause we think hard. And so I know my brother is like being insecure about that. And when you, he goes into the shade, it's like, all of a sudden, you know, oh. in the photo, it's like, his face is soft. He looks happy, no shadow. Right. It's not just like yeah. super contrasty. You look like you're on Survivor, you know, like now yeah. we're so, um, there are times of day, there are different skies that are great when you're not under a tree or something. But if you're like at a graduation, and it is super full sun, um, Look for the trees and just go stand under a tree for your photos. Like that is, that is it. Otherwise, when people photograph me in those settings, in my head, I'm just like, this is a bad photo, <laughs>
0: and I just expect it. Yeah, so that later like, when I'm like, I'm yeah,
1: yeah, when I'm like tagged on Facebook, I'm like, okay, remove tag, bad photo.
0: <laughs> Facebook.
1: Yeah.
0: So right. do we have what else do we got? What do you got? Well, let's let's make sure we answered questions, right? So where to mm-hmm. start, vibe feeling, what's the subject, how you want your audience to read your expression, like what's the story you want to tell, um, what to wear, hair, and makeup. I feel like we talked about that pretty good. It's just like to explicitly answer that, it's all going to come into clean shapes, oversized mm-hmm. scale, mm-hmm. um, A little bit stagey, but not too stagey and not in a fussy way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's personal preference. Yeah.
1: Yeah, some people don't like makeup and some people won't like how they look in makeup and would prefer to see themselves in a photo with absolutely no makeup, even though there might be skin texture or whatever. And that is absolutely valid. So it's hard to be like this goes with this and that goes with that because it's self-expression. And, um, yeah. and there's, you know, like we're saying the scale, you can usually go a little more dramatic than you would go like picking up the kids. Even though I do pick up the kids and my photo shoot makeup all the time. And the step babies are like, Oh, you did, you did photos. Cause they know, cause I don't look the same. Right. But anyway, um, and the story it comes down to the story like what would the character that you're trying to be what would they wear how do they look and then I try and recreate that usually from what I already own first I don't like buying things just for photography unless it's something that I really want in my wardrobe already because it feels like so wasteful otherwise to me
0: yep yeah and um I would say that it can be helpful to find photos of knitwear that you like and see what makes them the thing that you like. A lot of us are very accustomed to, particularly in social media, seeing highly saturated, high contrast photos. Um, And so a lot of the advice that you do wear some cosmetics can be to help create that contrast that we're used to seeing that we expect to see and so Mm -hmm. whatever your gender identity whether or not you normally wear makeup it's not necessarily about the conventional attractiveness so much as it is i used to paint pictures right and so like you put down your base coat then you build lighter layers on top of it for the things that you want to pop and then maybe you do a wash to like bring down those low lights right so i'm not trying to make my orcs look conventionally attractive here Um, but they could use some eyeliner. (laughs) Yeah. So that you see exactly like if you were
1: starting with a blank doll face, the way that the doll's face is painted is like similar to how your face might need to be painted to appear, um, how you think it should look in a photo. Also things like shine and glare and like sweat, like makeup helps with all of those things. Um,
0: Yeah. It can make you in a picture look more like you in real life
1: Mm because the camera
0: will distort you. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But like, I'm thinking of our friend Andrea, who's like had a lot of great posts and conversations around Mm -hmm. like how she really rebels against the idea that like you must wear makeup. But I think the takeaway is that for most people wearing makeup is going to be your preference, even if you're ultimately wearing makeup designed to make it look like you're not wearing makeup. Right. Yeah,
0: but you get to choose. Absolutely. Yeah. And then Trisha to ask questions about showing off pieces in a way that's attractive to customers, I would say that just comes back to choosing that story um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're being clear with your message to the viewer, whether you're talking to customers or yourself. in the business world, that also comes from knowing
1: who your customer is and what they like to see. So again, it's like this, when we talk about art, it's all to taste. So if you have someone that loves impressionism, you're not going to try and sell them a Picasso. You're going to bring them to see Monet, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with like a photo shoot. If your customer loves bright, loud colors, and that's what you're going to give them. But if your customer wants a quiet, monochromatic scene, like reading. candy blushes. Yeah. Right. Then you want to deliver that too. So, um, the more work you do around knowing like what your own brand message and who your customer is, the clearer that it gets. But all of these things, if you're unsure, I would take it back to to Pinterest or to Instagram or to wherever you can look at a bunch of photography and start to pull just everything that you actually like. And then when you actually have a, a compilation of everything, then you can start to fine to not down to like what your visual aesthetic is, whether it's for a specific photo shoot or an overarching like brand aesthetic, you know?
0: Yeah. And look at your own posts and see which have performed the best with your audience. And then also like, if you have, I don't like to say competitive, but if you have a parallel brand in the space, which of their posts are doing well, right? Are there attributes that you know would make your customer have an easier time connecting with your product um, because it shows that you're seeing them and their needs more clearly. Yeah. And let those parallel
1: brands inspire you in the world of photography. As I said, nothing is brand new. It's all been done before. We all know if we're directly copying someone and that's usually like a little tacky. But if you're inspired by someone whose work you love, like another knitter, another photographer, whatever creator, uh it is okay to do a photo shoot that is inspired by their photo shoot. It is okay to try and even recreate it. If I were really inspired by someone's photos, I would probably recreate it and give them some credit for inspiring me. Um, But I'm often inspired by photos that just lead me to think about how I would do that in my own way and lead to a shoot that might visually look really different, but actually came from inspiration. And sometimes we are encouraged to feel competitive or to look at someone else's work and judge it against our own. Um, and kind of see it as like they're better or worse than we are. But I really prefer in a creative space to look at other people's work and think of how it might, you know, inform me to do my own thing as well as I can, right? So even if that means being inspired by someone, um, you know, when you take the time to really bring it into life and create it, it it's now becoming yours
0: yeah i don't know sometimes if i see something that uh has a similar shot list and a similar color palette and a similar mood shortly after i've published something i can feel some kind of way about it
1: well uh, the, okay that's where i said we all know if we are copying <laughs> like yeah. if you're like here's jen's shot i want the same shot then you should say i was inspired by jen and did all Which of <laughs> right you wouldn't feel some type that's all I'm saying you wouldn't feel some type of way then
0: I no. mean it is no also I would true. feel like we were in community yeah
1: right it's also true that sometimes we see something we internalize it and then we recreate it almost identically without realizing it later it's true yeah. um but you know it's also true that some people are copycats and and that's okay that's their journey
0: but going back to this post and saying, oh, this shot was probably <laughs> successful for them because it has this dark saturation, right? Like mm-hmm. these are super saturated photos or they're taken at a certain hour of the day and that has a very romantic feel or these stand out because they're very spare and there's nothing in the shot but the thing or, you know, this color palette is not, is not is counter to what's in stores right now. And so it feels extra bold. Right. Like whatever it is, figuring out what the attributes are and then saying, "Now, what's my version of that um, mm-hmm. is definitely a useful practice. If you're not sure how your pieces are going to resonate with your customers, go see what your customers like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think we did it. That's we did. Lot. This is a long episode. Mm-hmm. We went over. Yeah,
1: Yeah. So I do hope you guys are all into it. And if you are, then uh, let us know and we can do a part two, give us more specific questions about your craft photography and we'll try and get them answered for you. Uh, Speaking of questions, we've got a question and answer episode coming up, which is going to be specifically about yarn substitutions, but we will take other questions as well. And they may end up in this episode or another. Uh, what else do we have? Anything
0: else for wrap up? Yeah, we are going to be in person at each. Well, okay, at not string theory
1: at string theory. Yes, yeah, yep. Jen and I are doing the thing. We're not only meeting, but we are going to be available to meet you as well as each other.
0: So we'll be doing a talk on yarn subs, and we'll have a few of our pieces, and we'll be at string theory in Illinois, and keep an eye on their space for a way to participate. They'll be having that out soon. So yeah, Yeah. we would love to see you.
1: Attendance is going to be limited for that. That is not a part of the official H and H program, but it is in that area. And if you are going to be in the area for H and H, you can always also join us for that because it will not be conflicting. Um, and we're gonna be at H and H. So leave yeah. us a comment if you will be too and, and maybe we'll uh have a chance to do like a knit fix and chill meet up some point. That's a I'm big promise so, though. Um, I'm not promising that.
0: Yeah. We're gonna think about it. I <laughs> we're mean gonna see. it would probably take like three people to be like, yes, do it for us to do it. But yeah.
1: Well yeah, leave the comments. we Leave the yet? comments and we'll go from there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but we are excited. <laughs> double dare, double dare. Exactly. Heck, our schedule's so full when we're in Chicago, we're not even going to go to the show. It's going to be really funny. But I hope we get to do more stuff like this, especially on the Eastern Seaboard. So,
1: if you want a yeah, yarn we shop and would...
0: you want to have us, so, yeah. yeah,
1: if y'all are in a yarn shop, especially on the Eastern Seaboard, especially I'm going to say in between Pittsburgh and Tampa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but I'll go anywhere. I'll go all the way up to Maine. I love you, Maine. Uh, I'm going to yeah. be in North Carolina this summer. We should probably try and try and do North Carolina. My mama lives in North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's so. basically sorted.
1: Mm-hmm. All, all right.
0: right. Now I'm just chatting. All right.
1: You heard it here first, everyone. North Carolina,
0: yeah. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> but actually, actually Illinois.
1: <laughs> Let's start where we're starting. Uh, I hope everybody's having a good one and uh, happy knitting. Happy knitting.